from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Bob from Business Improv. Bob, it's really nice to have you on. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Brad. Absolutely. I'm excited for today's discussion. So, Bob, to kick us off, can you tell me a bit about yourself as well as what Business Improv is and what you guys do? Sure. I am a professional improv comedian. I've been doing that for just shy of 30 years. I'm a Chicago guy, cut my teeth there. And when I left Chicago, I was on the best stages, the biggest, best stages as a performer of improvisation, then moved to New York and did the same thing out here where I currently live in the burbs of New York. The last 25 years, though, I started my own company 25 years ago that focused on taking the tenets of business improvisation, or excuse me, tenets of improvisation that would otherwise be used to produce comedy, extracting them from that, and then reapplying them to business. So I hold an adjunct faculty position at the Duke University Fuqua School of Business, as well as a rotating one at Columbia Business School. And the way that I link improvisation to business is through behavioral sciences, the cognitive psychology, org theory, behavioral psychology, behavioral economics, decision-making models. So I really study how and why we make decisions in real time as an individual, as an individual in a group, and then how the group ultimately makes a decision. That's amazing. Who do your clients tend to be? What kinds of organizations do you work with? We work with everybody. My my COO says that we're industry agnostic. So if you have people that you need to talk to internally, externally, sales, we cover the whole spectrum. So we work with everyone from big business and biopharma to the military, to government, to senators, to small businesses, to solopreneurs and entrepreneurs. Uh, it's all about you know, three core competencies, which is reacting, adapting, and communicating, which should speak to those who are cut from the same cloth as me, entrepreneurs. That's reacting, is focus and concentration, it's presence. Adapting is if you're doing that within parameters or trying to achieve something. And then the subroot is communicating. And if you have to react, adapt, communicate, and you have to talk, do it with people, then we're your company. I love it. So tell me about the story of how you took improv comedy and you made the connection to business. Like, what did that look like? What's that story? Serendipity is, the, I guess, the quickest way I could do it. I was just right place. Right time. I have a my formal degree is appropriately enough a BS in business. So I got that from the University of Illinois, Chicago. Once I got I had that, I left the business world completely after winning a Bank of America award for creative marketing at 23 years old. So I had the opportunity to move deeper into business. Instead, I left, dove into improvisation, cut to five years later. I am broke as a joke, <laughs> just do whatever I can in Chicago to keep my condo. That was the only thing I did with my money. I bought a condo and I was like, ah, directly east to Wrigley Field and could barely afford like a $500 mortgage, a uh, monthly mortgage with $300 assessment. So $800 a month, just couldn't do it. And so trying to figure out what to do. And I'm actually in a Starbucks hearing two professors talk about some experiential learning that Duke University Fuqua School of Business is looking for. And they're like, oh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything either. And I interrupted them and I was like, I got something for you. And so we chatted. And then after some writing, uh, the Duke University Fuqua School of Business allowed me to come in and lead the first program anywhere in the entire world that focused in any business school that focused solely on linking improvisation to business. And that was in 2000, fall of 99 and spring of 2000. And we did that and it was a credited program and it blew up and cut to 25 years later. Here we are. 
Wow. Talk about serendipity. That's awesome. I think it's also, though, yeah, it is serendipity without question and taking advantage of it, right? Because serendipity only really exists when like luck and um, initiative come together, that you grab that thing that's right in front of you and try to do something with it. And fortunately, the professors I was talking with at the time had an open enough mind that they said, yeah, okay, let's collaborate on what this would look like and put it in a way that the deans at the Fuqua School of Business could understand. And several rounds of writing and interviews later, I'm there testing it out for them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's great to highlight. It never hurts to ask and it never hurts to explore something. And you could have easily just gone about your day, but taking the courage to go up there and get involved and ask and stuff is what made all the difference. Yeah, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They say no, in which case I'm still wondering what I'm going to do. position you would have been if you left. Yeah, yeah, I love that. 25 years, that's quite an accomplishment to to grow a company for that long and to endure. I think a lot of entrepreneurs out there, unfortunately, don't make it to that milestone. So I'd love to hear about what you've done to successfully build this company and maybe any lessons learned for others out there that haven't made it quite to this milestone yet of, hey, I learned this works really well. This doesn't. This is something to avoid. This is something to double down on. Yeah, I, I think perseverance is one of the biggest things that any entrepreneur needs to really embrace. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that hand in hand with pivoting and, and being improvisational ultimately, because if you're just trying to persevere with your head down, you're not paying attention to what's going on and you're not able to shift, you're probably running your head into a brick wall. However, I can't tell you how many people told me not to do this, not to, it's a waste of time. Why compete with those big improv houses? You're not going to do it better than them. When I was like, I'm just going to do it different than them. I'm not going to worry about doing better. I don't want to compete with them. I want to create my own path. And so just not listening to the negative people, that doesn't mean don't consider what they have to say. That's that open mind of, I want to learn. At the same time, there's just a lot of people who I don't know, just, I guess maybe they find comfort in themselves by telling you why you can't succeed. And you can choose to listen to them or you can choose to say, I'm, I hear you, I disagree and I'm going to succeed anyway. And then that next part though, of improvisational, of shifting and pivoting. And, and if there's opportunities to, to grow your network or opportunities to ask for help and grow in doing so and stay away from like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and getting frustrated that there's not a different result and saying, okay, that's not working. I can see that's not working. Maybe I could just go around this thing (laughs) and move on. That's got to be part of it as well. That has to be part of every entrepreneur's learning curve. And it certainly was for me too, embracing the tenets of what we did so effectively on stage and still do effectively. I have a show just in a couple of days on stage and saying, how do I use these in real life to succeed? Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me being an entrepreneur too, that's always been the, the most challenging balance of, okay, let's give this all our effort and not give up easily if we're trying to accomplish something, but also let's not be so, we absolutely have to do this, even if the other opportunities arise that are better or data changes or whatever. So that discernment of are we going at it hard enough or are we being way too like ignoring of other opportunities that might be a better slight pivot? 
Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of working hard. I'm also an advocate of that adage of work smarter, not harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean as entrepreneurs, we don't have our, our nose to the grindstone and we're working and that also that old adage of when somebody's, oh, you're an entrepreneur. That's great. You could take off whenever you want. And you're like, yeah, after my 80 hour work, we could work. <laughs> I could take off whenever I want. You're absolutely exactly. right. If there's a way though, to create a better mousetrap or peel an onion a different way or hit a pinata a different way, anything you want to or can do that can keep us from entering that world of insanity and growing at the same time, it's worth exploring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're very right. And in, in my experience, entrepreneurship, at least the first couple of years, is work twice as hard, get paid half as much. That's yes. very different than people expect that's sitting on the beach and <laughs> not working yeah. that hard. Exactly. I, I hope one day that I'll have that, but I'm fortunate that I've grown my company in such a way that I can take vacations now. Yeah. I can remember, though, years of... What is a vacation? I don't know. What's a weekend? Just two more days to work. Let's go. Exactly. So let's talk about how you've built the company, how you've grown, how you've found clients. Has there been anything that's worked particularly well and anything that you're like, oh, we spent so much time trying to do this or that and it generally wasn't fruitful? I learned very early on that cold calls suck. Like they, <laughs> they just don't work at all for us. Because you'd yeah. have to go in, you'd have to find the right person in L&D or HR or whatever it might be. And that on its own is a big challenge because they have a filter system in place. To yeah, even getting to them. Right, get there. And yeah. then once you get there, you have to convince them that what they're doing is wrong and you're right and they need experiential learning and improvisation as that experience. It's just too much work. So that was a, a quick lesson that I'm, Happy to say that I probably spent a work of 40 hours or so trying me like, this is dumb. This I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, so for us, what's worked most effectively is probably not going to be a big surprise. It's word of mouth. It's other people singing your praises and doing it to other people they know inside their network as well. So earlier I said asking for help. I, for me, have really embraced this community aspect of if you kick butt in a job and you do something because we're we're though we're much more of a consultancy than one-off contractors often we're hired for that one-off job and then once we knock that out of the park they're like yeah you're great and we're like this is that's one aspect of what we do we can do all sorts of this other stuff and if you're not a good company will you please introduce us to someone can you please introduce us to someone inside XYZ Biopharma or consultancy. Can you please introduce us to somebody in, uh, from your business school? And if you do a good job and they're happy with you and that client first mentality really is proven, you do that through example, then what I found is that a lot of people will say, yeah, we'll help I you out. That. I like that intro route. I talked to someone that they did cold calling too, didn't work, and, but they did the research of, hey, I'd really like to work with this list of companies. And then they went to someone that they knew or a client, whatever, and like, who could introduce me to them? And that was successful for them. So I think you're onto something with that intro thing. That's very powerful. Yeah. Help, let other people help you build bridges. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anything that else, like any other lessons to learn or things that you found, oh, this is a big trap or we, we I don't know, went around and we finally unlocked the secret or something or anything other entrepreneurs should know out there. 
I, I think it's maybe twofold. One is fairly recent. We had to do a big organizational reorg last year, which is hard because for me in my world, there's this old adage, don't hire friends, don't work with friends. I can't agree with that enough, yet we do business improv. That's a pretty niche field. And in order to be part of my company, you have to be an elite improviser. Like you, not just, I took some improv classes. You've got to be like solid decade plus performing with the best people in America. And then you have to have a business background and the list will go on and you have to be a fit. I've had to release friends and that has unfortunately released friendships and some of the people with whom I worked who weren't friends, they came in as different levels of any organization, removing people who are not at least at the time that they should be the best fit. Maybe they've worked with you for a decade and it went from great to, oh, this maybe is not great, but we've worked together for so long. You have this sunk cost fallacy or irrational escalation of commitment that we've already done this together. Let's even get put through it as opposed to it's time you you're going to be happier somewhere else i'll be happier that you're somewhere else let's restructure this in a way that works better and that change is hard yet i think it's necessary so that's the first one that is is a challenge and and one that will continue to be yet it's got to be front and center i feel like for any growing organization the second one is the need to innovate and if your entrepreneurship like mine is one that's based in people, then you, you have to look at how people change and how mediums change and how teaming has changed and what, what is getting in our way and what's helping us. And how do we use that as an opportunity to repurpose or reposition and even elevate what we do? Absolutely. Yeah, it's both very important things. I think for me, especially with the friends piece too, I think something that's tempting, at least when I've started a company early on, is to raise someone up to head of the department or head of this or head of that. And then the company grows and it outgrows them. And now you have to have a hard conversation of, we need to, someone with more experience leading this area. And that, at least for me, is put that strain on in some of those friendships too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that catch 22 that you, everyone hears about and you're like, ah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> eh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why writing is on that wall. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about content, LinkedIn, that sort of thing. Have you uh, done anything with content marketing or anything that's worked particularly well? Anything that hasn't that you've spent time on and hasn't <laughs> really worked out for us? Yeah, the a long time ago, oh, so pre-pandemic, which was probably five years ago, really. However, it feels like an eternity at this point. We certainly tried Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads and things like that. And those were just, no, not at all. And it wasn't, of course, a huge dollar spend, yet you're putting a lot of workforce behind it, right? Time, energy, resources to craft the messages, to create memes, to 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 whatever that in theory should be appealing and should have some kind of return on investment. That didn't work at all. That said, I think that soured our approach towards social media. And though we have a page and all this other stuff, we just stopped promoting. And I don't know that's necessarily was a, a bad choice for us because our audience typically starts with senior executives. And what at least five years ago, what we were finding is when we were asking, because we reach out to our clients, but do you follow Instagram? No. Wait, are you on LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Do you follow things? No, I'm on LinkedIn. It's like a Rolodex. And I'm like, okay, so we're not reaching our audience anyway. 
through these mediums. That said, that's what we're re-exploring right now. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about before, just being in a learner's mindset. Just because it didn't work before does not necessarily mean it's not going to work now because audiences change, audiences evolve, communication changes and evolves as well. The way that we were talking with each other as little as five years ago is different than how we're talking to each other in this part of the pandemic. So I think it's worth keeping that learner's mindset on. And for us, it's re-exploring the need to and optimization of the socials. Absolutely. That's good insights and information for those out there. Awesome. <laughs> we'll All see. Right. It could, hey, it could turn back into another toilet flush as yeah. far as that. However, you know, no, I, just, I think I love the, the innovator's mindset. Let's keep exploring and, and trying things. Yeah. And I th- I think part of that, in a, at least the way that we view it using the, the tenets of improvisation is to continue to learn. Like I said, of just because we were not effective five years ago, that could be us and it could be our audience. It could be the market itself. It could be the way the mediums are being used. Doesn't mean that it's not going to be effective later. It's just about, I think, at least what we're attempting to do, intelligently allocate the resources to it. And I'll say intelligently is the underscore of art. We're going to do the best we can. We're improvisers, all right? Let's be clear. There's a degrees of intelligence. That said, if we don't explore it, then I think there's a, it's a missed opportunity. So let's see what we can do with it. Absolutely. What's one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? Being an entrepreneur will take an enormous amount of time the first several years of your organization's life. Absolutely. And if you could offer one piece of advice to all those out there listening today, what would that be? What are your closing words of wisdom? At the risk of it sounding salesy, use improvisation as techniques for communication, collaboration, adapting ways to solve problems, ways to deal with conflict, ways for sales. It's really is a great resource. Absolutely. Bob, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for joining today and sharing all your wisdom insights. Brad, thanks for having me. I've had a good time and look forward to hearing it. Absolutely.